Chapter Thirty Three of Journey to the Center of the Earth. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Journey to the Center of the Earth by Chelvan. Chapter Thirty Three. Our Route Reversed. Here ends what I call my journal of our voyage on board the raft, which journal was happily saved from the wreck. I proceed with my narrative as I did before I commenced my daily notes. What happened when the terrible shock took place, when the raft was cast upon the rocky shore, it would be impossible for me now to say. I felt myself precipitated violently into the boiling waves, and if I escaped from a certain and cruel death, it was folly owing to the determination of the faithful Hans, who, clutching me by the arm, saved me from the yawning abyss. The courageous Icelander then carried me in his powerful arms far out of the reach of the waves, and laid me down upon a burning expanse of sand, where I found myself some time afterwards in the company of my uncle, the professor. Then he quietly returned towards the fatal rocks, against which the furious waves were beating, in order to save any stray waves from the wreck. This man was always practical and thoughtful. I could not utter a word. I was quite overcome with emotion. My whole body was broken and bruised with fatigue. It took hours before I was anything like myself. Meanwhile there fell a fearful deluge of rain, drenching us to the skin. Its very violence, however, proclaimed the approaching end of the storm. Some overhanging rocks afforded us a slight protection from the torrents. Under this shelter Hans prepared some food, which, however, I was unable to touch, and, exhausted by the three weary days and nights of watching, we fell into a deep and painful sleep. My dreams were fearful, but at last exhausted nature asserted her supremacy, and I slumbered. Next day, when I awoke, the change was magical. The weather was magnificent. Air and sea, as if by mutual consent, had regained their serenity. Every trace of the storm, even the faintest, had disappeared. I was saluted on my awakening by the first joyous tones I had heard from the professor for many a day. His gaiety, indeed, was something terrible. "'Well, my lad,' he cried, rubbing his hands together, "'have you slept soundly?' "'Might it not have been supposed that we were in the old house on the Königstrasse, that I had just come down quietly to my breakfast, and that my marriage with Gretchen was to take place that very day?' My uncle's coolness was exasperating. Alas, considering how the tempest had driven us in an easterly direction, we had passed under the whole of Germany, under the city of Hamburg, where I had been so happy, under the very street which contained all I loved and cared for in the world. It was a positive fact that I was only separated from her by a distance of forty leagues, but these forty leagues were of hard, impenetrable granite. All these dreary and miserable reflections passed through my mind before I attempted to answer my uncle's question. 
why what is the matter he cried cannot you say whether you have slept well or not i have slept very well was my reply but every bone in my body aches i suppose that will lead to nothing nothing at all my boy it is only the result of the fatigue of the last few days that is all you appear if i may be allowed to say so to be very jolly this morning i said delighted my dear boy delighted was never happier in my life we have at last reached the wished-for port the end of our expedition cried i in a tone of considerable surprise no but to the confines of that sea which i began to fear would never end but go round the whole world we will now tranquilly resume our journey by land and once again endeavor to dive into the centre of the earth my dear uncle i began in a hesitating kind of way allow me to ask you one question certainly harry a dozen if you think proper one will suffice how about getting back i asked how about getting back what a question to ask we have as not yet reached the end of our journey i know that all i want to know is how you propose we shall manage the return voyage in the most simple manner in the world said the imperturbable professor once we reach the exact centre of this sphere either we shall find a new road by which to ascend to the surface or we shall simply turn round and go back by the way we came i have every reason to believe that while we are travelling forward it will not close behind us then one of the first matters to see to will be to repair the raft was my rather melancholy response of course we must attend to that above all things continued the professor then comes the all-important question of provisions i urged have we anything like enough left to enable us to accomplish such great such amazing designs as you contemplate carrying out i have seen into the matter and my answer is in the affirmative hans is a very clever fellow and i have reason to believe that he has saved the greater part of the cargo but the best way to satisfy your scruples is to come and judge for yourself saying which he led the way out of the kind of open grotto in which we had taken shelter i had almost begun to hope that which i should rather have feared and this was the impossibility of such a shipwreck leaving even the slightest signs of what it had carried as freight i was however thoroughly mistaken as soon as i reached the shores of this inland sea i found hans standing gravely in the midst of a large number of things laid out in complete order my uncle wrung his hands with deep and silent gratitude his heart was too full for speech this man whose superhuman devotion to his employers i not only never saw surpassed nor even equalled had been hard at work all the time we slept and at the risk of his life had succeeded in saving the most precious articles of our cargo of course under the circumstances we necessarily experienced several severe losses our weapons had fully vanished but experience had taught us to do without them the provision of powder had however remained intact after having narrowly escaped blowing us all to atoms in the storm 
well said the professor who was now ready to make the best of everything as we have no guns all we have to do is to give up all idea of hunting yes my dear sir we can do without them but what about all our instruments here is the manometer the most useful of all and which i gladly accept in lieu of the rest with it alone i can calculate the depth as we proceed by its means alone i shall be able to decide when we have reached the centre of the earth ha ha but for this little instrument we might make a mistake and run the risk of coming out at the antipodes all this was said amid bursts of unnatural laughter but the compass i cried without that what can we do here it is safe and sound he cried with real joy ah ha ha and here we have the chronometer and the thermometers hans the hunter is indeed an invaluable man it was impossible to deny this fact as far as the nautical and other instruments were concerned nothing was wanting then on further examination i found ladders cords pickaxes crowbars and shovels all scattered about on the shore there was however finally the most important question of all and that was provisions but what are we to do for food i asked let us see to the commissariat department replied my uncle gravely the boxes which contained our supply of food for the voyage were placed in a row along the strand and were in a capital state of preservation the sea had in every case respected their contents and to sum up in one sentence taking into consideration biscuits salt meat shedam and dried fish we could still calculate on having about four months supply if used with prudence and caution four months cried the sanguine professor in high glee then we shall have plenty of time both to go and come and with what remains i undertake to give a grand dinner to my colleagues of the johanneum i sighed i should by this time have become used to the temperament of my uncle and yet this man astonished me more and more every day he was the greatest human enigma i ever had known now he said before we do anything else we must lay in a stock of fresh water the rain has fallen in abundance and filled the hollows of the granite there is a rich supply of water and we have no fear of suffering from thirst which in our circumstances is of the last importance as for the raft i shall recommend hans to repair it to the best of his abilities though i have every reason to believe we shall not require it again how is that i cried more amazed than ever at my uncle's style of reasoning i have an idea my dear boy it is none other than this simple fact we shall not come out by the same opening as that by which we entered i began to look at my uncle with vague suspicion an idea had more than once taken possession of me and this was that he was going mad and yet little did i think how true and prophetic his words were doomed to be and now he said having seen to all these matters of detail to breakfast i followed him to a sort of projecting cape after he had given his last instructions to our guide in this original position with dried meat biscuit and a delicious cup of tea 
we made a satisfactory meal i may say one of the most welcome and pleasant i ever remember exhaustion the keen atmosphere the state of calm after so much agitation all contributed to give me an excellent appetite indeed it contributed very much to producing a pleasant and cheerful state of mind while breakfast was in hand and between the sips of warm tea i asked my uncle if he had any idea of how we now stood in relation to the world above for my part i added i think it will be rather difficult to determine well if we were compelled to fix the exact spot said my uncle it might be difficult since during the three days of that awful tempest i could keep no account either of the quickness of our pace or of the direction in which the raft was going still we will endeavor to approximate to the truth we shall not i believe be so very far out well if i recollect rightly i replied our last observation was made at the geyser island harris island my boy harris island do not decline the honor of having named it given your name to an island discovered by us the first human beings who trod it since the creation of the world let it be so then at harris island we had already gone over two hundred and seventy leagues of sea and we were i believe about six hundred leagues more or less from iceland good i am glad to see that you remember so well let us start from that point and let us count four days of storm during which our rate of travelling must have been very great i should say that our velocity must have been about eighty leagues to the twenty-four hours i agreed that i thought this a fair calculation there were then three hundred leagues to be added to the grand total yes and the central sea must extend at least six hundred leagues from side to side do you know my boy harry that we have discovered an inland lake larger than the mediterranean certainly and we only know of its extent in one way it may be hundreds of miles in length very likely then said i after calculating for some minutes if your provisions are right we are at this moment exactly under the mediterranean itself do you think so yes i am almost certain of it are we not nine hundred leagues distant from reykjavik that is perfectly true and a famous bit of road we have travelled my boy but why we should be under the mediterranean more than under turkey or the atlantic ocean can only be known when we are sure of not having deviated from our course and of this we know nothing i do not think we were driven very far from our course the wind appears to me to have been always about the same my opinion is that this shore must be situated to the southeast of port gretchen good i hope so it will however be easy to decide the matter by taking the bearings from our departure by means of the compass come along and we will consult that invaluable invention the professor now walked eagerly in the direction of the rock where the indefatigable hans had placed the instruments in safety my uncle was gay and light-hearted he rubbed his hands and assumed all sorts of attitudes he was to all appearance once more a young man since i had known him never had he been so amiable and pleasant 
i followed him rather curious to know whether i had made any mistake in my estimation of our position as soon as we had reached the rock my uncle took the compass placed it horizontally before him and looked keenly at the needle as he had at first shaken it to give it vivacity it oscillated considerably and then slowly assumed its right position under the influence of the magnetic power the professor bent his eyes curiously over the wondrous instrument a violent start immediately showed the extent of his emotion he closed his eyes rubbed them and took another and a keener survey then he turned slowly round to me stupefaction depicted on his countenance what is the matter said i beginning to be alarmed he could not speak he was too overwhelmed for words he simply pointed to the instrument i examined it eagerly according to his mute directions and a loud cry of surprise escaped my lips the needle of the compass pointed due north in the direction we expected was the south it pointed to the shore instead of to the high seas i shook the compass i examined it with a curious and anxious eye it was in a state of perfection no blemish in any way explained the phenomenon whatever position we forced the needle into it returned invariably to the same unexpected point it was useless attempting to conceal from ourselves the fatal truth there could be no doubt about it unwelcome as was the fact that during the tempest there had been a sudden slant of wind of which we had been unable to take any account and thus the raft had carried us back to the shores we had left apparently for ever so many days before end of chapter thirty three read by lars rolander